Welcome everyone to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published for our very dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. There you'll also see an option to subscribe for our most excellent daily email with both our text reading and the lesson for the day from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lee Flynn. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. Today we continue with Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, with Section 5, Obstacles to Peace. We'll be reading Subsection A. The first obstacle, the desire to get rid of it. We're also mindful of today's review lesson 216. We have one unmuted line, please. Uh, Today's review lesson 216 and its review of lesson 196. It can be but myself, I crucify. Wrapped, as we say, within the comfort of the line, I'm not a body, I'm free, for I'm still as God created me. Lori, what have you selected this morning as an opening? Oh, thanks, Lee. There's a beautiful book called The Gentle Art of Blessing by Pierre Pratervant. And I really like this from that book this morning. Hold constantly as a deep, hallowed, intoned thought the desire to bless, for truly then shall you become a peacemaker, and one day you shall behold everywhere the very face of God. In light of the Holy Spirit's purpose resting in peace within you, it felt perfect today. Amen. (laughs) It was perfect. Once again, thanks, Lori. Thank you, guys. Okay, everyone, with us in reading this morning, we have Lemoyne, Lori, Fran, Karen, and Patricia. With us in listening, we have Ida and Robin Marie. I know others have joined us. Who else would like to say you're here with us? Hi, Lee. Hi, Lori. Jude's joined you. Would you like to read, Judy? I can do that. Thank you. And good morning, Diana. Morning, morning, Lee. Will you be reading this morning? Um, I, no, I think I'm going to listen, but um, me and my dog and my daughter will <laughs> be listening. All right. Happy you're here. Judy, I didn't quite catch that answer. Is it a read or a listen this morning? I can read, Lee. Thank you. Okay. Got you here. Okay, so we 
pick up with section 5 obstacles to peace from chapter 19 beyond the body we'll be reading eight paragraphs of subsection a the first obstacle the desire to get rid of it the desire to get rid of peace the first obstacle that peace must flow across is your desire to get rid of it for it cannot extend unless you keep it you are the center from which peace radiates outward to call the others in you are its home its tranquil dwelling place from which it gently reaches out but never leaving you if you would make it homeless how can it abide within the Son of God if it would spread across the whole creation it must begin with you and from you reach to everyone who calls and bring him rest by joining you the morning okay chapter 19 beyond the body section 5 obstacles to peace the first obstacle the desire to get rid of it the first obstacle that peace must the first obstacle that peace must flow across is your desire to get rid of it for it cannot extend unless you keep it you are the center from which it radiates outward to call the others in you are its home its tranquil dwelling place from which it gently reaches out but never leaving you if you would make it homeless how can it abide within the Son of God if it would spread across the whole creation it must begin with you and from you reach every reach to everyone who calls and bring him rest by joining you why would you want peace homeless what do you think that it must dispossess to dwell within you what seems to be the cost you are so unwilling to pay the little barrier of sand still stands between you would you reinforce it now you are not asked to let it go for yourselves alone Christ asks it of you for himself he would bring peace to everyone and how can he do this except through you would you let a little bank of sand a wall of dust a tiny seeming barrier stand between your brothers and salvation and yet it is this little remnant of attack you cherish still against each other that is the first obstacle the peace in you encounters in its going forth this little wall of hatred would still oppose the will of God and keep it limited thank you Lemoyne Lori 
Why would you want peace homeless? What do you think it must dispossess to dwell with you? What seems to be the cost you are unwilling to pay? The little barrier of sand still stands between you. Would you reinforce it now? You are not asked to let it go for yourselves alone. Christ asks it of you for himself. He would bring peace to everyone. And how can he do this except through you? Would you let a little bank of sand, a wall of dust, a tiny seeming barrier stand between your brothers and salvation? And yet, it is this little remnant of attack you cherish still against each other that is the first obstacle the peace in you encounters in its going forth. This little wall of hatred would still oppose the will of God and keep it limited. 42. The Holy Spirit's purpose rests in peace within you. Yet you are still unwilling to let it join you wholly. You still oppose the will of God just by a little, and that little is a limit you would place upon the whole. God's will is one, not many. It has no opposition, for there is none beside it. What you would still contain behind your little barrier and keep separate from each other seems mightier than the universe, for it would hold back the universe and its creator. This little wall would hide the purpose of heaven and keep it from heaven. Thank you, Lori. Fran? 42. The Holy Spirit's purpose rests in peace within you, yet you are still unwilling to let it join you wholly. You still oppose the will of God, just by a little, and that little is a limit you would place upon the whole. God's will is one, not many. It has no opposition, for there is none beside it. What you would still contain behind your little barrier and keep separate from each other seems mightier than the universe for it would hold back the universe and its creator. This little wall would hide the purpose of heaven and keep it from heaven. 43. Would you thrust salvation away from the giver of salvation? For such have you become. Peace could no more depart from you than from God. Fear not this little obstacle. It cannot contain the will of God. Peace will flow across it and join you without hindrance. Salvation cannot be withheld from you. It is your purpose. You cannot will apart from this. You have no purpose apart from each other, nor apart from the one you ask the Holy Spirit to share with you. The little wall will fall away so quietly beneath the wings of peace. For peace will send its messengers from you to all the world, and barriers will fall away before their coming as easily as those which you would interpose will be surmounted. Thank you, Fran. Karen? 43. Would you thrust salvation away from the giver of salvation? For such have you become. Peace could no more depart from you than from God. Fear not this little obstacle. It cannot contain the will of God. 
Peace will flow across it and join you without hindrance. Salvation cannot be withheld from you. It is your purpose. You cannot will apart from this. You have no purpose apart from each other, nor apart from the one you ask the Holy Spirit to share with you. The little wall will fall away so quietly beneath the wings of peace, for peace will send its messengers from you to all the world, and barriers will fall away before their coming as easily as those which you would interpose will be surmounted. 44. To overcome the world is no more difficult than to surmount your little wall. For in the miracle of your relationship, without this barrier, is every miracle contained. There is no order of difficulty in miracles, for they are the same. Each is a gentle winning over from the appeal of guilt to the appeal of love. How can this fail to be accomplished whenever it is undertaken? Guilt can raise no real barriers against it, and all that seems to stand between you must fall away because of the appeal you answered. For from you who answered, he who answered you would call. His home is your holy relationship. Do not attempt to stand between him and his holy purpose, for it is yours. But let him quietly extend the miracle of your relationship to everyone contained in it as it was given. Thank you, Karen. Patricia? Forty-four. To overcome the world is no more difficult than to surmount your little wall. For in the miracle of your relationship, without this barrier, is every miracle contained. There is no order of difficulty in miracles, for they are all the same. Each is a gentle winning over from the appeal of guilt to the appeal of love. How can this fail? How can this fail to be accomplished whenever it is undertaken? Guilt can raise no real barriers against it, and all that seems to stand between you must fall away because of the appeal you answered. For from you who answered, he who answered you would call. His home is in your holy relationship. Do not attempt to stand between him and his holy purpose, for it is yours. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Patricia. 
but let him quietly extend, extend the miracle of your relationship to everyone contained in it as it was given. 45. There is a hush in heaven, a happy expectancy, a little pause of gladness in acknowledgement of the journey's end. For heaven knows you well, as you know heaven. No illusions stand between you now. Look, look not upon the little wall of shadows. The sun has risen over it. How can a shadow keep you from the sun? No more can you be kept by shadows from the light in which illusions end. Every miracle is but the end of an illusion. Such was the journey, such its ending. And in the goal of truth which you accepted must all illusions end. Thank you, Patricia. Judy. Where am I? (laughs) There is a hush in heaven. Correct. There is a hush. Thank you, Lee. There is a hush in heaven, a happy expectancy, a little pause of gladness and acknowledgement of the journey's end. For heaven knows you well, as you know heaven. No illusions stand between you and your brother now. Look not upon the little wall of shadows. The sun has risen over it. How can a shadow keep you from the sun? No more can you be kept by shadows from the light in which illusions end. Every miracle is but the end of an illusion. Such was the journey, such its ending. And in the goal of truth, which you accepted, much all, must all illusions end. The little insane wish to get rid of him whom you invited in and push him out must produce conflict. As you look upon the world, this little wish, uprooted and floated, floating aimlessly, can land and settle briefly upon anything for it has no purpose now. Before the Holy Spirit entered to abide with you, it seemed to have a mighty purpose, and the fixed and unchangeable dedication to sin and its results. Now it is aimless, wandering pointlessly, causing no more than tiny interruptions in love's appeal. Thank you, Judy. Do we have a new reader for 46 and 7?
I could do that. Great. Oh, is it Robin Marie? Wonderful. <laughs> it's Robin Marie with a very low voice. I don't know what happened. <clears throat> 46. The little insane wish to get rid of him. Oh, is this where I'm starting? Uh-huh. Oh, good. Okay. The little insane wish to get rid of him who you invited in and push him out must produce conflict. As you look upon the world, this little wish, uprooted and floating aimlessly, can land and settle briefly upon anything, for it has no purpose now. Before the Holy Spirit entered to abide with you, it seemed to have a mighty purpose, the fixed and unchangeable dedication to sin and its results. Now it is aimless, wandering pointlessly, causing no more than tiny interruptions in love's appeal. 47. This feather of a wish, this tiny illusion, this microscopic remnant of the belief in sin is all that remains of what once seemed to be the world. It is no longer an unrelenting barrier to peace. Its pointless wandering makes its results appear to be more erratic and unpredictable than before. Yet what could be more unstable than a tightly organized delusional system? Its seeming stability is its pervasive weakness, which extends to everything. The variability which the little remnant induces merely indicates its limited results. Thank you, Robin Marie. Do we have another new reader? 47 and 8. Yeah, Micah can do it. 47. Morning, Micah. Thanks. Sure. This feather of a wish, this tiny illusion, this microscopic remnant of the belief in sin is all that remains of what was once seen. Sorry, is all that remains of what once seemed to be the world. It is no longer an unrelenting barrier to peace. Its pointless wandering makes its results appear to be more erratic and unpredictable than before. Yet what could be more unstable than a tightly organized delusional system? Its seeming stability is its pervasive weakness, which extends to everything. The variability which the little remnant induces merely indicates its limited results. 48. How mighty can a little feather be before the great wings of truth? Can it oppose an eagle's flight or hinder the advance of summer? Can it interfere with the effect of summer sun upon a garden covered by the snow? See but how easily this little wisp is lifted up and carried away, never to return, and part with it in gentleness. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and part with it in gladness, not regret. 
For it is nothing in itself and stood for nothing when you had greater faith in its protection. Would you not rather greet the summer sun than fix your gaze upon a disappearing snowflake and shiver in remembrance of the winter's cold? Thank you, Micah. And how about another new reader to conclude? The new reader for 48. Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. How mighty can a little feather be before the great wings of truth? Can it oppose an eagle's flight or hinder the advance of summer? Can it interfere with the effects of summer sun upon a garden covered by the snow? See but how easily this little wisp is lifted up and carried away, never to return and part with it in gentle gladness, not regret. For it is nothing in itself, and stood for nothing, when you had a greater faith in its protection. Would you not rather greet the summer sun than fix your gaze upon a disappearing snowflake and shiver in remembrance of the winter's cold? Thank you, Lemoyne. To recap then, from chapter 19, Beyond the Body, section 5, Obstacles to Peace, and this subsection A, the first obstacle, the desire to get rid of it, to get rid of peace. From that first paragraph, the first obstacle that peace must flow across is your desire to get rid of it. For peace cannot extend unless you keep it. You are the center from which it radiates outward to call the others in. You are its home, its tranquil dwelling place from which it gently reaches out, but never leaving you. If you would make it homeless, how can it abide within the Son of God? If it would spread across the whole creation, It must begin with you, and from you reach to everyone who calls, and bring him rest by joining you. Why would you want peace homeless? What do you think that it must dispossess to dwell with you? What seems to be the cost you are so unwilling to pay? This from 41, you're not asked to let it go for yourselves alone. Christ asks it of you for himself. He would bring peace to everyone. And how can he do this except through you? It is this little remnant of attack you cherish still against each other. It is the first obstacle, the peace in you encounters in its going forth. From 42, the Holy Spirit's purpose 
rests in peace within you, yet you're still unwilling to let it join you wholly. What you would still contain behind your little barrier and keep separate from each other seems mightier than the universe, for it would hold back the universe and its creator. From 44, in the miracle of your relationship, without this barrier, is every miracle contained. There is no order of difficulty in miracles, for they are all the same. Each is a gentle winning over from the appeal of guilt to the appeal of love. From you who answered, he who answered you would call. His home is in your holy relationship. Do not attempt to stand between him and his holy purpose, for it is yours. 45. There is a hush in heaven, a happy expectancy, a little pause of gladness, an acknowledgement of the journey's end. Every miracle is but the end of an illusion. Such was the journey, such its ending. And in the goal of truth which you accepted, must all illusions end. From 45, 46 rather, the little insane wish to get rid of him whom you invited in and push him out is aimless now, wandering pointlessly, causing no more than tiny interruptions in love's appeal. We have one unmuted line, please. From 47, this feather of a wish, this tiny illusion, this microscopic remnant of the belief in sin is all that remains of what once seemed to be the world. It is no longer an unrelenting barrier to peace. And finally, how mighty can a little feather be before the great wings of truth? Can it oppose an eagle's flight or hinder the advance of summer? Can it interfere with the effects of summer sun upon a garden covered by the snow? Would you not rather greet the summer sun than fix your gaze upon a disappearing snowflake and shiver in remembrance of the winter's cold? Amen. The floor is open. Thank you, Lee. That was lovely. Thank you, Lee. Good morning, everybody. This is Jude. I know this is silly, but it makes me happy because every time I read this last paragraph, it reminds me of the the, the scene that ends the movie um, Forrest Gump, where he's sitting on the, bun- the bench after he's put his, his son onto the school bus and the feather falls out of his book and it floats away. <laughs> And 
I just love this line, how mighty can a little feather of a wish to be separate from God be before the great wings of truth. I just love this. Thank you. Nice, Judy. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that was sweet. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I just wanted to um, ask, I don't really understand what it means that I'm trying to get rid of peace, your desire to get rid of it. I mean, I've read this this morning alone several times. I read all the way through it. So um, can someone speak to that, please? I'm complete. Karen, did it, did it, um, did it speak to you? Forgive me, this is just a quick question. Did it speak to you when it asks in 41, why would you want peace homeless? And then this key sentence, what do you think that peace must dispossess in you to dwell with you? What seems to be the cost you're so unwilling to pay? And that, that as an inquiry is um, like my uh, entry into the answer of that. Uh, question of yours. Um, who did I talk over? Was that you, Patricia? Oh, hi, hon. Yeah, Patricia here. Um, it brought up two things for me. One was a previous share I gave regarding a pivotal time in my life. It took a long time to digest. When truth comes in and we know it's true, but it doesn't feel good and we don't understand anything. And it was when I learned that I was um, choosing, I was more hungry to be right and to be with others or to join being right than to be in love. And I found out when I, when you asked that question, I went, oh, but it's the same thing, Patricia. It's the same thing. You're more attracted so being right and avoiding being wrong or identifying what's right and wrong, then you are uh, with being uh, at peace. It's just simply an a honest uh, attraction to the lure of that kind of control and power and play. And the, uh, the second thing uh, that happened around peace is the um, the knowing uh, another truth way before actually the Course in Miracles was uh, Carolyn Mace a woman who was sharing why people don't heal and uh, this was another truth that guided me that didn't feel good but I knew it was so true and that she said people don't heal simply because they're more attracted to bond with each other around their suffering that the groups can feel um, more in love and intimate with each other when we share oh how much we suffer and how much we're so committed to this book and and we're, we're joining it we're so willing to hang in there until it comes yes 
and we're more attracted to our willingness to suffer together than to actually be that, uh, oh, I found it, here it is, and I'm staying here. I'd like to share one last thing, I don't, because it's just strong in my life right now. I've returned from a more isolated life to a more integrated with people and activities and choices to make where I may be a part of ongoing central activities. And as I'm asking uh, for guidance in the choice, I've heard this important thing asking me back. You see, I have uh, mornings and evenings when I get direct information. This has been occurring for about three years now. For example, August began learning more about silence. And it's so lovely what I learn. And it's, as we share, Helen and many of us, we all are getting this. So I hear, Patricia, you know when that word responsibility came up the other day, ask yourself, responsible for this amazing three-year and it's an eternal relationship we have now, hon, where it's you and me, the Christ and the self and eternity beginning every day, informing throughout the day, and ending the day. Now, Patricia, we're not saying to be responsible for this direct, juicy time every day. We're saying we want you to make choices so you can continue to be able to respond to this source of peace. Don't walk away from us. Stay making choices with friends, activities, even how you make your breakfast. Stay making choices to be able to respond to this pure flow of peace that guides you because you and every living thing here have free will. Any moment you could choose to not respond to us anymore, to this pure peace that informs you that you are an eternal field of love. Don't forget that. Don't go off into something else. So those were my three reminders of how easy it is to be more attracted to something other than peace, to other things. Thank you. Boy, beautifully offered. Thank you, Patricia. Oh, that was very full. Thank you, Patricia. Patricia. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Patricia. Beautiful. We have another few minutes before the top of the hour.
Karen, did those first three questions of 41? Um, the first the question that stood out to me was, what would peace dispossess in me? What would I have to give up to accept peace is the, the thing to meditate, I guess, on more deeply. But I didn't catch the other two that you said. So if you want to repeat them, thank you. Oh, it was just the other, it was the first and last around that one. Um, why would you want peace homeless if it, if it in your life only can, um, can um, if, if you're the source of peace within your world um, and you need host peace, why would you want it homeless? Kind of what I see him asking me and then asking me what seems to be the cost I'm so unwilling to pay that I become host to peace. Um, what does it feel like? Um, it requires of me that I say, well, not yet. So it's a, it's a great inquiry. Thanks for the, thanks for directing us in that direction. I just I, um, I, oh, wanted to ask, the little wall, it feels like the little wall is protecting something that I'm not able to um, face. That's what it feels like. I'm complete. Hi, uh, it's Robin Marie. I just was thinking of desire, um, the, desi the first obstacle, the desire to get rid of peace. And I was thinking that um, whatever comes as an obstacle to peace, um, you need to desire peace more than that. You need to put pe peace first and say no to the other. Say, no, that is not where I'm walking. That is not how to walk in love. Um, and go forward knowing and trusting in faith that the Holy Spirit is guiding you and um, let it open up. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. And we are right at that juncture where we invite Fran to once again guide us through touching in with the lesson today. Fran, thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in Review 6, the last part before we get to the second part of the workbook. And today's lesson is Lesson 216. It can be but myself I crucify. And I'm going to uh, read some from 196, the original lesson. Okay, here goes. Lesson 196, it can be but myself I crucify. When this is firmly understood and kept in full awareness, you will not attempt to harm yourself nor make your body slave to vengeance. You will not attack yourself and you will realize that to attack another is but to attack yourself. You will be free of the insane belief that to attack a brother saves yourself and you will understand his safety is your own, and in this healing you are healed. Perhaps at first you will not understand how mercy 
limitless and with all things held in its sure protection can be found in the idea we practice for today. But you can learn to see these foolish applications and deny the meaning they appear to have. Thus do you also teach your mind that you are not an ego, for the ways in which the ego would distort the truth will not deceive you longer. Today's idea is one step we take in leading us from bondage to the state of perfect freedom. It is not time we need for this, it is willingness. The dreary, hopeless thought that you can make attacks on others and escape yourself has nailed you to the cross. Perhaps it seemed to be salvation, yet it merely stood for the belief the fear of God is real. And what is that but hell? Such is the form of madness you believe. If you accept the fearful thought, you can attack another and be free yourself. Until this form is changed, there is no hope. To question it at all, its form must first be changed at least as much as will permit fear of retaliation to abate and the responsibility return to some extent to you. From there, you can at least consider if you want to go along this painful path. Our next steps will be easy if you take this one today. For once you understand it is impossible that you be hurt except by your own thoughts, the fear of God must disappear. The thing you dread the most is your salvation. You are strong, and it is strength you want. And you are free and glad of freedom. You have sought to make both weak and bound because you feared your strength and freedom. That salvation lies in them. When you realize once and for all that it is you you fear, the mind perceives itself as split. It seemed to be an empty, an enemy outside you had to fear. Unless a God outside yourself became your mortal enemy. Now for an instant is a murder perceived within you. Eager for your death, intent on plotting punishment for you until the time when it can kill at last. Yet in this instant is the time as well in which salvation comes. The fear of God has disappeared. There is no thought of God that does not go with you to help you reach that instant and to go beyond it quickly, surely, and forever. When the fear of God is gone, there are no obstacles that will remain between you and the holy peace of God. How kind and merciful is the idea we practice. Give it welcome, as you should, for it is your release. It is indeed that you, your mind, can try to crucify Yet your redemption, too, will come from you. And we'll go over to Lesson 216. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. It can be but myself I crucify. All that I do, I do unto myself. If I attack, I suffer. But if I forgive... Salvation will be given me. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still 
as God created me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. It can be but myself I crucify. All that I do, I do unto myself. If I attack, I suffer, but if I forgive, salvation will be given me. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Amen. Beautiful friend. Wow. Amen. Wonderful friend. Thank you, Fran. Thank There's you. The whole package. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Isn't it excellent that 196, the lesson, as you shared with us, speaks of all that begins to really become clear to me after having cleared all the obstacles to peace and its double reference within Lesson 196 to having overcome the fear of God so that having overcome what we'll discover in this section of Chapter 19 was the fourth and final obstacle, the fear of God the fourth and final obstacle to peace that's coming up in some section, subsection D of this um, section of chapter 19. That having overcome the fear of God, it becomes abundantly clear that um, if peace escapes me, it's because I've given it away and haven't valued it. And isn't it wonderful as well that he can take that whole really important lesson of 196, it can be but myself I crucify, and summarize it in two sentences, uh, three, in this recap of 196. All that I do, I do unto myself, How's that true? If I attack, it's I that suffer. But if I forgive, salvation will be given me. It's like the perfect little encapsulation of how it comes to me over and over and over until I finally get it. I have this option of peace, 
all it requires is that I forgive. In other words, abandon my thoughts of conflict and find my way back to peace in this moment. When I do that, salvation is given me and is given everything that I would have battled with. But if I um, cherish still um, the absence of peace, just as we talked about, Karen, if I uh, value something greater than peace, if I think peace, uh, peace in this moment costs me this desire I have to assert uh, my judgment or to cherish the conflict that I'm lingering with, uh, then I guess it's later for peace, right? And it's I that suffer. It's always I that suffer first. It can be but myself. I crucify in my lingering desire to keep someone else on the cross. Um, it's also interwoven. I'm complete. A beautiful job. Thanks, Fran. Oh, thank you. You just did too. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Lee. Lee. Thanks, Fran. Hi. Um, good morning, guys. It's Jude again. I, I, um, you know, I like I like rereading and rereading again the first, you know, like two hundred pages of the book because it says it's very important for me to understand them in order to go on to to truly understanding wholeness and oneness and the beauty of the 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 beatific of ourselves as as being God himself and you know that to judge anything is to separate it out and to judge anything uh, I've got to back up a little bit because the totality of God's creation is his one son and I have to understand that he his creation is the one son and that is what I am, that Christ mind that understands that everything is in God's creation is God himself's gift to me as being his one son, of which we all are. We're all a part of that one mind. There's absolutely nothing in between it, nothing that we see or think or do or say or act can come between that one simple, elegant idea. And for the ego to take anything out and say it has an opinion or a criticism, an accusation, or to say it's wrong and it's not God, is to put that feather of a wish, that little bit of pushing God out, one little itty-bitty push of something teeny, a teeny wall of dust of a body, a, a, a brother as a body, a wall of dust, or even a bug, or even a little piece of sand. To say that anything is not God is to put, to, to judge against it and reject it and say, you know what, I'm smarter than God. And I think I know what reality is. 
and it is according to the way I define it. And that's the arrogance of the ego. That's how I separate myself from the, the whole big kahuna, that I am the big kahuna. And to judge, innocence is the same. You, innocence of everything is the same. The same as miracles. Love is all the same in all of it. That none of it is different from any other part. God is in every part of it, and every part is God. And love is in every part of it, and every part of it is love. Innocence is in every part of it, and every part of it is innocence. And to keep it that simple for me, and to keep all my other conceptualizations out of it, is to pull my heart and my soul out of heaven. So I'm either in heaven and with that knowing, I'm in heaven with it all, or I've just pulled myself out of the communion because God gave himself to me. And when I stopped knowing that, he gave me the Holy Spirit to remind me. So he added more to me that I could never not be in communication with everything as God is himself. So the Holy Spirit, God and me are one thing, and there's nothing in between it, absolutely nothing. A feather of a wish? (laughs) The end. Thank you, Judy. That was very cool. Thanks. On the... On the moon, didn't the hammer go down the same time and way the feather did? <laughs> yeah, I had different gravity. Um, this is Ida. Good morning. Hi, well, Ida. Hi. Hi, Judy. Well, what you were saying just now made me think of something that happened in my life several years ago. I found, several years ago, I found out this, um, about this uh, affirmation, uh, uh, not tape, but something, you know, what they call uh, MC3 or something you can play, MP3, you can play on your, your, your cell phone and everything. So I played it and I liked the words and everything a lot. But then they had this music in part of the tape and it sounded horrible to me. It sounded like a death dirge. It sounded like music from a horror film. It sounded really awful. So I would just just bear through that part and, and just, you know, and everything. And I was getting tired of it. I was going to stop listening to the wonderful affirmation tape, you know. And um, at some point, I got that I should somehow, you know, through the course, you know, I can see things differently and somehow, um, and, and that the course says that the only thing that is missing in any situation is what I have not given, right? So um, I worked on myself and there was something else that happened and... I guess I must have put love into it, into the equation. And then I listened to the music again, and it no longer sounded horrible to me. 
it sounded like something of love of God, mm-hmm. which is, I guess that was what, what Judy was just talking about, that everything is of God. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, no longer saw it as horrible. It was just, it was beautiful. And then I see the comments of other people who had listened to the tape and some of them said, yeah, what are you doing playing this awful music? And I, I totally understood where they were coming from. But now I was coming from another place. Thanks. I'm complete. That was excellent, Ida. Thank Ida, that you. was so good. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Wow. Yes, it was. Yeah. I was reveling uh-huh. about some maggots in my garbage the other day. <laughs> Hi, good morning. It's Nana. Um, uh, uh, please pardon me. I um, I'm seem to be having some body adventures this morning, and uh, but I've been listening, and I love the way you did the lesson plan, and and um, and the whole discussion. And I just wanted to uh, pop in to share this an observation. I think it was Karen who asked the question. Was it? Am I right about that, or was it Robin Marie? Um, it was, but any, Karen. Oh, okay. Already good. Um, but the observation was, and I hope it's helpful, is your question came from a, a willing mind, um, an open mind, a willing mind. Uh, and what Jesus is speaking here, at least to me, is to the mind, to a mind that's unwilling. Who, who sees, who, who has misplaced its identity as an ego, so it believes it is the ego. And so peace would be very threatening to it because it would lead to its demise. So um, that would be, uh, it's actually fearful of peace, you know. So it would um, definitely, that would um, be its value to it. But you asked a question from a very open and willing mind. So you can be assured that an answer will be received. Um, that's all. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know if, um, if that would be helpful or not. But it, it showed up when you asked the question. Thank you. I'm complete. Mm, Wonderful, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Good morning. Thank you, Lana. Great. Oh, sorry. Thank you. I really loved your focus on the willingness, Lana, and um, and also it, it as you were speaking, I was thinking of the compassion that I have to have for myself for the unwillingness, and I truly mean that. Um, it's like it's because it's an addiction. Our, I'm addicted to being a body. I'm addicted to being an ego, and that that is a hard one to work with. It's really hard, um, and it takes. I have to want it more than I want the addiction, which is I don't know if any of you have. Well, I know a lot of you here have been in twelve steps groups, and and you got to want it more than anything. And to be able to forgive myself and have compassion when I'm I'm not ready, I'm not willing. Um, yeah, 
It's like a disease. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank, Thank you, Sandra. Excellent point. Good morning. This is Wendy. This discussion reminds me of um, the times when I've seen a little bird next to a car recognizing its reflection and trying to attack it, you know. Oh, there's another bird. I got to... And so that it flies into the car, the side of the car. And... Um, you know, is fighting itself. It's it's its own image, and the idea that if you give up the fight um, and you just smile and love the image, which really is pretty much everybody. There's everybody that we encounter is reflecting back to us some aspect of our mind. And if we can forgive that reflection, if we need to, and become peaceful, we'll see, oh, these were all me. I was attacking myself, thinking it was out there, but really, it's an aspect of my own mind. And when I relax and decide what I'm going to offer the mirror is what I would like to receive gentleness, innocence, freedom, love, peace. Then I live in a different world. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. That thank you, Wendy. Yeah, that's really enjoyable. Thanks, Wendy. To deny the obvious. Thank you. Anybody or anything. <laughs> oh, but it's not just a ceasefire either. It it has to be a complete and total surrender of the desire to fight anything or anybody, any situation, any circumstance, because that's my freedom. I'm making the world free in myself at the same time, and I rest in peace. I rest in God. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Thanks, Judy. Judy. Good morning. You know, one line that stands... Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to complete a thought um, before you move on. Um, you know, I thank everybody for your shares about surrender and forgiveness. And I thought, why would I want to hang on to attacking myself? And why would I not want peace? And... The thought came to me, um, there's a, um, we all have something, I think, that makes us feel different. I call it different titus, like, well, I've got this challenge, and that makes me different, and, you know, I must be defective. And for me, you know, the ADHD and not finding things and losing things, even when I've just set them down a few minutes ago, um, I realize I don't want to forgive that, because I think if I guilt myself about it, I won't make that mistake again. And there's a fear, you know, that I am in charge of my life and uh, the small part of me and I'm going to screw it up. And there is not an acknowledgement of the fact that I can truly surrender 
to spirit or capital, you know, self with capital S. And the fear of losing something important keeps me from forgiving myself from doing that in the past simply because I don't trust that if I can just surrender it, it's going to be okay. And if for some reason I can't find something that I think is important, maybe I need to realize that small self of me that's looking for this item doesn't realize that that's not actually where the love and the peace is in doing that particular action. So if I can just trust God and trust myself to surrender to spirit and know that we are all one, that we are all one and we're just simply like worker bees or worker ants in the same community, all doing our, our small part, not even realizing that it's the spirit that's prompting me to do what I'm doing. But what I am doing through love and through peace and through clarity is spirit. And if I can just continually surrender to that higher power in me that really is the one that is running the show, <laughs> and I can recognize when the ego wants to step in, I can truly be in forgiveness because I can truly trust that it's all going to be okay because spirit's got my back. I can't find something, spirit will find it if it's important. So I just wanted to relate that to me and, and so why do I not want to forgive? Why do I not want to have peace? I guess I equate peace with um, giving in to what I don't want rather than peace is surrendering all and knowing that underneath all of that cannot be anything but peace. Because when I surrender all that is separate to God, I am in what I would call the living world, the presence of God, the presence of love. And, you know, some, somewhere in my mind, I think being at peace means I'm ignoring something or in denial of something. But being in true peace, well, true peace comes from recognizing I'm not separate and that I'm an individualized expression of God and in that flow of life and love and that it's going to be okay so I can forgive myself. But anyway, I'm complete. Thank you. Lovely, Mindy. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Robin Marie, were you were you trying to say a little something before you had to depart? Yeah. Oh, I just have enjoyed all the shares. I I think that uh, this particular lesson has taken me back to when I was a very small girl and I was told that I was like my mother. And my mother worried all the time. And I'm realizing that that is, uh, you know, not where I want to be. It's not what I want to do. And I appreciate this course in teaching me that, that that is not me. It's not my desire to worry. And so, anyway, that's my little share. And thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day. You too. you too, Robin Marie. That was great. Thank you. And thank you, Mindy. And uh, and I just thought to extend to Lana um, our great blessings with you today. Lana, it's good to hear from you. You know, the thought that had, um, that had come to me is everything is kind of shaped by that question of yours, uh, Karen. It's such a great inquiry. Um, and there's another sentence that really uh, directly um, um, 
pertains to that question, as well as um, kind of a, a consideration that I bring to this section for having learned of Bill and Helen, their own experience. Uh, as I've mentioned, these five or six chapters since 17 going forward are featuring a holy relationship. And it's Bill's um, testimonials that uh, make me understand that uh, he and Helen received a lot of this material as it came as being directed um, very personally to them. And it was very personally so at this juncture of their scribal work that they had accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose into their relationship and were still experiencing that, that turmoil that is so classically known about the nature of their relationship before the Course of Miracles came. The turmoil they joined in united purpose to try and seek, you know, some, some end to an invitation of a better way. So at this point in their relationship, you know, they were still, they were still encountering um, their issues. And it was, it was the appearance of those issues and addressing those issues that benefits us all in being able to address and acknowledge those same lingering um, areas of resistance in any holy relationship we enter into. We don't get to just invite Holy Spirit into a relationship and walk through the gates into heaven together. But there's all this turmoil that gets stirred and we become very capable. He suggests to me that I become very, very conscious having invited holy purpose. I become very conscious, especially in a situation across this section with his help. I become very conscious of my dual purpose. I want the peace I've invited. But by gosh, there's this that I still cherish. This, as he puts it, little remnant of attack. This is at the end of 41. It's this little remnant of attack that I cherish still against one another that is the first obstacle to peace in me, the first obstacle to peace in... <laughs> I'm trying to put that phrase in I terms. I'll just read it the way he's written it. At the end of 41, he reminds me, and this little, it's this little remnant of attack you cherish still against each other that is the first obstacle the peace in you encounters in its going forth. It becomes so important to him that I recognize that Christ himself calls to me to give peace a home, that my first opportunity to give peace a home is in this relationship that we've invited Holy Spirit's purpose to bless. 
that it becomes like a crucible for me where I recognize if I can't grant peace to this other whom, with whom I've joined in holy relationship, what opportunity do I have in welcoming peace uh, in relation to the attack I cherish still against others? It's as though the holy relationship gives me the opportunity to make a silent vow. I invite peace into this relationship with this other because it's his great benefit, his or her great benefit I cherish equal to my own. I would do nothing that robs this other, my beloved, in this holy relationship. And you guys, I see that holy relationship extending eventually as he speaks of the arc of peace and the circle of peace extending to everyone where everyone is invited into that um, golden arc of peace that one has established within one's heart in holy relationship with awe. But the holy relationship he speaks of with this other cherished who joins with you in a holy relationship becomes that training ground. It's like a beachhead within a world of conflict where my commitment is to watch very closely how much am I willing to accord the other salvation from all attack and where is it I cherish that little bit of attack still that says, hold off Christ in what you ask of me that I become the means and the host of peace extended across the world as you would wish. Hold off, Holy Spirit. Just hold your hosses. I cherish still this little battle, this little victory at the cost of the other, this little bit of crucifying him to make him guilty for a betrayal or a disappointment. Um... There's just, it, it just amps up my awareness and, uh, and raises my consciousness in regard to where's my commitment to let peace find its beachhead in my heart and how within this holy relationship am I reminded of how I'm willing to keep that holy purpose at bay in order to pursue some little grievance or some little judgment. Um, wonderful section as we begin these obstacles to peace. Thanks, everyone. I'm complete. That's beautifully. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Thank you for your comment. Well said. Thank you. Very beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. This is Wendy. Um, I got a message uh, from Spirit that seems relative or relatable. Uh, It is with God's blessings we greet you and we say, temper tantrum. When one has a temper temper tantrum, it is usually related to an intense sense of powerlessness. So the correction does involve giving someone your awareness of their power. 
Everyone has power, yet it is that few truly know how to wield it. It is, a great, it is the great power of love. It can be applied to any situation. When you are feeling powerless, try on the power of love. See how bringing love, and consequently God, into the mind can help one to remember their power of love. Practice. This is a challenging situation. Let me bring my power of love to it. Do you see? As you become more and more comfortable with wielding your power of love, you will have confidence in others also having that same confidence and helping them relieve themselves of powerlessness by knowing their power for them and demonstrating it to them. It is part of the transformation of your lives. The old powerless self is released and the new love-empowered self is free to express. Rejoice Mm -hmm. at this, for there will be fewer and fewer temper tantrums as one after another realize the power is and always was within them. Free (laughs) yourself with this great power that you inherited from your loving Father and trust that all healing will come faster and faster with the speed of your loving vibration. All is well. I'm complete. That was wonderful. Wow. So pertinent. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Really Really nice. Thanks, Wendy. Wendy. Loved it. Thank you, Wendy. That was beautiful, Wendy. Thank you. So I'm here to remind all of you of great power. I'm complete. (laughs) Message received. Thanks, Wen. Micah? Um, this is Wendy. Wendy, where did you read that? Uh, Spirit, you know, it came through me uh, a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And um, for some reason, I don't doubt I have heard a lot of that, where you said um, you were afraid of other people's power. Um, and but what we need to understand is that uh, that's just an ego striving or something that they don't have and that the true power, I don't know if you could just summarize what you just said in a sentence or two. I would so appreciate that. <laughs> oh, Mindy, I'm having a real hard time understanding what you're saying because there's a muffled quality to the sound. Um, new phone. If you could summarize that in two or three sentences. I mean, that was beautiful. I need to, I'm somehow not quite grasping everything that you said. I would appreciate that if you have a moment to do that. Um, people's reactivity comes from their feelings of powerlessness. But you can know for them and for yourself that you actually are, all of us are very powerful, but powerful in love. That that's our gift, that's our strength, that's our freedom, that's our safety is, is letting other people know, even when they're having the temper tantrum, that they are powerful, that they are loved. And that they're lovable. I'm complete. Beautiful. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks. Yes. And Micah. Thanks, Wendy. So, um, the uh, well, I, I really appreciated Karen's question because it it kind of 
as I was hold, as something was holding that question and listening to what people were saying, I started to hear in myself this uh, the the problem about peace was this sense of a me uh, of a being a body identified with this this quote unquote me and it and it it really blossomed at the very beginning of the reading where it says you are the center from which peace radiates outward to call the others in you are its home its tranquil dwelling place from which it gently reaches out and suddenly the the mica became like a, a nest for peace was was the life was the truth of myself peace was my identity it wasn't about a mica having peace it was about becoming becoming peace and it really ties in with uh, Mindy's share about the wholeness with God and it started to um, uh, you know become a little clear down here in paragraph 42 the Holy Spirit's purpose rests in peace within you yet you are still unwilling to let it join you wholly you, are, you still oppose the will of God just a little. And that little is a limit you would place upon the whole. And it, and it was a, like this movement into the whole of this, like Christ consciousness is what I was starting to feel. was this opening up into a vastness that Judy was pointing to. Um, let's see. Anyway, um See, and that that little is a limit you would place upon the whole. God's will is one, not many. Uh, but and, and so I was noticing what was uh, taking away my peace would be I would I would acknowledge peace as um, hold on. I was acknowledging this peace as. Uh, as as the foundation, the reality, and and then I would just notice how what was taking away the peace was this this little this movement back in of a feeling of a mica and its judgments, its thoughts, its feelings, you know, its little world, and and then and then that would just then there would come more awareness of the this presence of peace, and the peace would become my identity. And it was formless and uh, whole, and uh, and then again would come in this these thought patterns and feeling patterns of this this little communication device in space time, and and then peace would go away. And I saw that the the, the desire to get rid of peace was to be small again and uh, be identified again. Uh, you know, I don't have expectations that that's going to, you know, uh, permanently go away, but it's going to be. Um, what I've seen in the past is that it get, it does get transformed. This sense of an individuation identity 
in space-time, it 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 doesn't completely go away in, in these higher moments, but it it's repurposed as an expression of unity, and um, instead of a story of a mica that had been developed over decades, and it becomes God individuating. Um, uh, so anyway, um, I guess that's it. Thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Oh, you're welcome. Good morning, so, everyone. This is Lori. Oh, go ahead, honey. Oh, thanks, Lori. Um, so just going to comment on what you were saying, Micah. So peace is the foundation of reality. Um, it cannot be um, disturbed or taken away by anything or anyone, not really. And that's kind of like hearkening back to those three three lines that are at the very beginning of the course. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal ex- exists. Herein lies the peace of God. So that is good to remember for all of us today that Although the first obstacle of peace is a desire to get rid of it, we can never really get rid of it. Thanks, I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ida. Good point, Ida. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Micah. Thank you, Ida. Wendy, for her lovely... Um, thing about the temper tantrums or where the Holy Spirit, I guess we should thank God for that, that peace is inherent in how he created us to be purely mind and purely spirit. And that in that resistance, resistance is the cause of my suffering, that it's the loss of my peace, that I would judge any part of the wholeness, the totality of the oneness of God and his creation. If I would be resistant to it or oppose it, that's my willingness to throw away my peace. And for that I am responsible for. And the Holy Spirit doesn't ask me to, to judge the world. He asks me to give him my judgment of the world because my judging it is what causes the loss of my peace. I judge and find something wrong or guilty, and then I crucify it. And, and, and that's inherent in the lesson, too, that anything that I judge, I am crucifying. It's not a part of God. I'm slicing and dicing the totality of the awareness of my reality. And it says in, in the, the beginning chapters that this is one Son, one God, and one Holy Spirit in communion with all of it, equally the same, equally loved, and not different, and not separate, and not in part. But the, the, the resistance to, aversion to, something, something in any given moment is where I can lose my peace and lose the sense of my totality. And it's only in, in opposition when I'm in opposition, when I'm fighting something, being the way it is, 
or wanting it to be different than the way it is is the loss of my peace. That's my desire to get rid of it, my desire to think that I know better than God and to judge his reality, his creation, to criticize, to grumble, mind, wince, complain, frown, say, this should be different. So here I go, here I go. Joy to everyone. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Slice and dice. Thank you, Judy. Sorry. Good morning, everyone. This is yeah, this is me. Um, well, here uh, I'll try and be really brief because the word for the day was dedication, and so I looked it up like I always do, and this is what I found: dedication is a decision made in advance, regardless of circumstances. Dedication, a decision made in advance, regardless of circumstances. And boy, you know, that just really describes uh, what peace is to me. It's a commitment. It's the acceptance of the universal purpose with which he began this chapter. The universal purpose that I offer faith to is unity, wholeness, healing. Um, in speaking of it, I'm brought back to Lesson 74 and its stark simplicity. There is no will but God's. And in that lesson, he, he asks us to repeat that and realize that as the ego tentacles on my mind are released, I can realize uh, majesty, fullness, glory, um, and I mean realize in my own experience there is no peace but God's and I realized then my mistake. I thought there was another will. I thought there was another will. Is there more complete definition of what the ego is? That idea that I have a separate will from God? There is no will but God's. And when I accept that, I accept my own wholeness, and I accept the universal purpose, and I accept unity and wholeness as my one desire. Thank you, Sandra, for emphasizing want. A decision that I make in advance regardless of circumstances, because above all else, I would love to keep the peace of God in my awareness. Three unequivocal lessons in this workbook. 74, there is no will but God's. 127, there is no love but God's. And lesson 200, there is no peace but God's. All of those are available for my awareness when I accept the universal purpose and give it faith, give it faith to accomplish everything. 
I make that decision in advance. Lesson 138. Remember that one? Heaven is a decision I must make. And in that lesson, heaven is a decision I must make and I will not change my mind. That's the commitment, the dedication to the universal purpose that he's asking me for. And when I give my heart mind to that, he gives me the world. That's everything. That's the awareness of my own soul as that which is a perfect creation of a perfectly creating father. Remember the lesson, heaven created me kind. Kindness created me kind. Gentleness created me gentle. Love created me like itself. That's all entailed in accepting the universal purpose. If I decide, if I have a feather of a wish to have a conflict with you or anyone, I've given away my peace. I've taken it and thrown it away from me. That's I'm, I'm reminded of in chapter, I think it's in chapter 4, when he says, once you have experienced this peace of God, it becomes such a total um, environment. It becomes such a total milieu that the idea, even the idea of disturbing it becomes um, loathsome. You know, I would not, here's another one, Lesson 108, giving and receiving are one in truth. It's so easy, he says, it's so easy to prove it's true. Just sit and think. I offer peace to everything. I offer peace to you. I offer peace to everyone. And you can see instantly that in the same measure that you offered peace, peace returns to you. Um... Peace, peace is what arrives in my awareness. And it was last for me, not peace. Peace wasn't last for me. What was last for me was to realize there is no will but God's. And that kind of snuck in in the back door. <laughs> it was through the practice of the milieu of peace that I realized he really is right about this. There is no will but God's. I thought I had a separate will. And so when his disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, Master. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I make that dedication, the dedication that says I accept no other purpose than to give Holy Spirit a home, I realize, I realize, realize in my experience the unity of the relationship with the Father and the Son and the beauty of all creation that he loved and gave to us. 
I will be done. It was a false belief that I had a separate will. You know, there are irreconcilable beliefs. He said way back in the beginning of this book, who is your father? He says, who is your father? God or the ego? Because I'm making that decision constantly. When I give my mind to the universal purpose, I've dedicated my mind to Holy Spirit service. And I realize there is power which is in me, but not of me. I will be done. I'm complete. That was wonderful, Lori. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, dear. Thanks so much. Hi. I guess, um, given the time, I might ask that you offer up that closing you have for us today. Well, you know what? This is what I really love today. Because in chapter 7, he talks about the consistency of the kingdom. That's the decision I make. And there he gives us this grace is the natural state of every son of God. When he is not in a state of grace, he is out of his natural environment, does not function well. (laughs) Everything he does becomes a strain because he was not created for the environment he has made. He therefore cannot adapt to it, nor can he adapt it to him. There's no point in trying. A son of God is happy only when he knows he is with God. That is the only environment in which he will not experience strain because that is where he belongs. It is also the only environment that is worthy of him because his own worth is beyond anything he can make. You who could give the love of God to everything you see and touch and remember are literally denying heaven to yourselves. I call upon you again to remember that I have chosen you to teach the kingdom to the kingdom. There are no exceptions to this lesson because the lack of exceptions is the lesson. Every son of God who returns to the kingdom with this lesson in his heart has healed the sonship and given thanks to God. Everyone who learns this lesson has become the perfect teacher because he has learned it of the Holy Spirit who wants to teach him everything he knows. When a mind has only light, it knows only light. Its own radiance, like peace, shines all around it and extends out into the darkness of other minds, transforming them into majesty. The majesty of God is there for you to recognize and appreciate and know. Perceiving the majesty of God as your brother is to accept your own inheritance. God gives only equally. If you recognize his gift in anyone else, you have acknowledged what he has given you. Nothing is as easy to perceive as truth. This is the perception which is immediate, clear, and natural. I think that's just a great place to end this 
call and a great place to begin this day. Amen. Amen. So agree. Beautiful. Thanks, Laurie. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful Thanks, call. Everyone. Yeah, it was a great call.